let's get ready to study God's Word. to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and it's time for another devotional study. Please be sure to visit us at biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our previous episodes and various Bible study resources. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into our study today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to enter into your word. We ask you to give us wisdom and understanding. Please bless us, direct us, manage our thoughts, please. Help us that we will understand what we're reading from your word. And may these devotionals be a blessing to those who hear them. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's study is entitled, Unto the Church of Pergamos. Unto the Church of Pergamos. And our passage for this study is Revelation 2, verse 12, King James Version. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he that hath the sharp sword with two edges. Okay, these things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. We are continuing in our letters, epistles to the seven churches of Asia. We're dealing with Pergamos. The church in Pergamos represents God's church from approximately 313 AD to 538 AD. We call this the compromising church. Ephesus was the apostolic church. Smyrna, the persecuted church, and Pergamos, the compromising church. Here's the entire message from Christ. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Okay, so the church of Pergamos, 
Satan's seat. You know, dwell where Satan's seat is. And it speaks to the fact that they were dwelling, they were operating more closely in conjunction with agents of of, uh, Satan. If we look at Daniel 2 and 7 and Revelation 13, we recognize that the time frame that these letters are occurring in, so far the first three, are during the dominance of pagan Rome. And especially, the reason why this is called the compromising church is because it's at this time that the Roman emperors are seeking to unite the kingdom somewhat. So after the church had been persecuted for roughly 200 years, they saw an opportunity to get along with everyone else because the emperors decided, hey, instead of having my kingdom in such conflict, let me try and unify these two groups. So we have Constantine, Emperor Constantine, who around AD 321 nominally converts to Christianity, but brings in a lot of, of pagan beliefs as well, right? He didn't make he didn't make it too difficult for the pagans to bring in their traditions. They just renamed them. Baptized paganism is how it's often described. And so you have compromise. You have the church and the state cooperating, um, which was a relief in some ways for the church because 200 years of persecution is no joke. But instead now, they, um, instead of the constant persecution, you now had a Christianity that was beginning to be compromised. And it opened the door to um, adopting pagan customs, okay? This is all pre-papacy, right? This is all pre-papacy. The slide of the church into the papal power doesn't happen overnight. We see it happening here over a period of roughly 200 years. So the church started out pure, apostolic church, had had a couple of issues because, you know, people have issues. Church started out pure, but a letter is given to the church to help it to stay off that path. Then the church is persecuted, which does a great deal for purity. But then when Satan realized that persecuting the church was not gaining his objective, he gave the church peace, and that allowed um, corruption and compromise to enter the picture. And so now we have a slide Instead of 200 years of persecution, we have 200 years of negative activity, increasing negative activity. So Jesus starts this out by identifying himself as he that hath the sharp sword with two edges. That's the word of God. He's reminding them that he has the word of God, that he has the scripture. Why is that such a telling item? Because they're slowly compromising away their doctrines. And he's reminding them that he has the source of doctrine, that he is the source of doctrine. That's the first reminder. He says, I know what you've been doing. I know where you dwell. You're dwelling where Satan's seat is. There's a connection with the powers of the state. I know that you guys are holding fast to my name and you haven't denied the faith. Right? You still call yourselves Christians. You still accept Christianity. 
even up to the time where Antipas was my faithful martyr, but I have a couple of issues with you, a few things against you, right? So here's the first church with a couple of problems. It says, you have them there, thou hast them there that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel and to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit fornication. This is important. When Balaam was unable to curse Israel directly, but he wanted to get the money, he went to Balak and said, listen, I can't curse them, but I can get them out of the favor of God. Here's what you need to do. We're going to hold some feasts and parties And in those feasts and parties, we're going to have things sacrificed to idols, and we're going to have some sensual stuff going on. And once the people involve themselves in that, the power of God will be removed from them, and then you'll be able to engage them in battle. And what Revelation 2.14 is saying is Christ is telling his people, you have people in your midst, in your congregation, who hold this same kind of doctrine. They hold a doctrine where the having of these parties and feasts and and doing all this stuff that's violation of the seventh commandment is no problem. It's not just that they think about this. They hold this as a doctrine and you have them in your midst without issue. That's a problem. Okay? You also hold people that hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which we spoke about previously. Okay, in the earlier church, in the apostolic church, they didn't like the the deeds of the Nicolaitans. But here, they have people that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And they don't have a problem with that. Okay, so here we have a church that the standards of Christian living have been diminished, and they don't have an issue with that. And yes, we know that it that we can find ourselves in places where we're just watching people in the length of their skirt and what they eat and what they listen to. And we, we can get to a very superficial place in trying to police the congregation. But we should have a standard, or rather, we should hold fast to God's standard, right? We're not here to invent standards. God already has one. We should hold fast to the standard of that which is taught and practiced. And when the teaching and practicing of the word of God is not maintained, we should endeavor to help people to understand that they are out of alignment with God's will, not with our standard, but with God's will. And here, Christ is saying, you have people that are doing two things that I am seriously opposed to, and they're in your midst, and they hold these things as doctrine, and you're unconcerned. You need to repent, and you need to do it quickly, or I will come unto you quickly, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth, with doctrine. So again, it's an external standard. It's not how we feel or think. It is based on the word of God. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. 
And then a promise is given. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone, pure stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiving it, that receiveth it. So we're going to be given a new name, a name that no one else has, a name that God gives us directly. And no one else will know that name. Names in the Bible are very significant things. They represent a certain amount of power. The person who names someone else has power over them, and, and someone who knows your name has a certain amount of power. And here, Christ is going to give us a new name that only we know. The church, Pergamos, is the last church that hears what the Spirit is saying and then receives the promise. Afterwards, for the remainder of the churches that we have listed here, they're going to receive their promise of overcoming, and then the message will conclude with, he that hath an heir to hear, let him hear. All right. So the first three churches, they are reminded, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches, and then a promise of overcoming is given. But as the time draws nearer, the promise of overcoming is given first, and then a reminder to listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Our verse again, Revelation 2.12, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. Let us endeavor that we will not backslide in our experience, that we will not compromise in our experience, that we will hold fast to the doctrine that Christ has given us, that all of our practices and belief and understanding and teachings will be in accordance with the word of God. And that is on a personal level, at a family level, at a congregational level, at every level of influence that we have and operate in, let us be true to God and not allow the removal of persecution to slide us down a path of compromise. Many of us stay true to God when things are hard, but in ease and prosperity, we stumble and fall. Let's be careful. Let us overcome and eat of the hidden manna and obtain the white stone with the new name that only we will know. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and your goodness to us. We thank you for your love and your watch care and your protection. We thank you for this message. We see how this has impacted the church and how it set the church up for the corruption of the papal power. We ask you to help us not to experience that corruption and compromise in our own personal experience. Forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and help us to be true and faithful to you in all things. Bless those that hear this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. 
You can reach us via email at BibleQuestions at ASBZone.com. We look forward to hearing from you, whether you have questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns. We also recommend that you check out the True Wisdom Podcast, where Robert and I discuss Bible stories and topics together. Both of these podcasts can be found on over a dozen platforms, including Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. Please remember our ministries in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study and share His Holy Word.